I know that here at St. Joe's we have quite a few domers, and that's a alumnus of Notre Dame, in case you don't know. So there may be some here, maybe not. And some of you may have watched the Notre Dame football game today. And if you don't like sports, don't worry, this isn't going to be a sports homily. But something happened in that game which plays out again and again in the sports world, but it also plays out in the corporate world. And believe it or not, it even plays out in the church world. So what happened was the starting quarterback got hurt, and there's this young buck just chomping at the bit, ready to step up. Now these two guys had competed for the starting position over the summer, and they all get along and all of that. But at the end of the day, there's only one guy who's starting, and there's other guys who desperately want to do that. And so the starter gets hurt, placement comes in, and he does really pretty well. So now everybody has to wonder, where are we going to go from here? And I'm sure the younger guy's thinking, all right, I proved myself. Why don't I get a shot? And the older guy's, hey, I worked so hard to get here. I can still do it. As I said, that kind of thing plays out all the time. In a sense, any sort of competitive endeavor is set up that way. The idea, whether you agree with it or not, is that you'll be better if there's always somebody looking at your heels, pushing you, threatening you. Said it goes on in the corporate world. I remember my dad, who was hardly a big business mogul, but near the end of his time, was really treated like dirt by his company because they just wanted to push him out and bring the new guy in. And I can even say, as a priest working over at the seminary, all I ever hear about is, oh, these young priests, wait till we get these young priests out there. They're going to fix the church. As I say, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> but notice how that sort of dynamic has a way of preying on, you know, any insecurity or vulnerability that we might have. And even if it's irrational, even if you can sit down and say, well, okay, look, you're exaggerating or, you know, whatever, we hardly live in a world that's governed by reason, and our irrationalities can be powerful. And I'm mentioning this because it's precisely in our human vulnerabilities, in our human weaknesses, that our spiritual problems take root. It's like there's those cracks in our hearts or in our minds, and that's exactly where all the temptations want to take root, and all the lies have a way of wedging in. And you see that so powerfully in the readings tonight. They're like bookends, you know, perfectly chosen by the church to drive the point home. Hey, what about them? You know, we're, we're doing okay. We thought we were doing okay, but what about these other guys? All of a sudden, they have an ability that seemingly was just ours. Are they going to threaten us? Are they going to challenge us? They said it to Moses. Look, they've got God's spirit. I thought that was our spirit. Are you going to stand for that, Moses? Moses is doing just fine. They're the ones who are feeling insecure. Then probably well over a thousand years later, you got Jesus and his disciples. Hey, Jesus, they're casting out demons in your name. And again, Jesus is just fine with that. These are the guys that are all worked up. There's something in us, and maybe that isn't you, so God bless you, but I guarantee you there's someone you know who gets tempted to look over their shoulder, and, and what about them? What about him? What about her? Are they looking at me? What are they thinking of me? Do they have what I have? Do they want what I have? 
Will they replace me one day? Will someone look at them and appreciate them? And will they forget about me? As I said, there's something in human nature that brings that up. So what do we do about it? I mean, you can say, well, you shouldn't be envious, or you shouldn't be jealous. But that, in and of itself, doesn't take the feeling away. So what I'd like to draw your attention is to that middle reading. And a lot of times, the middle reading seems like it's just sort of there. You know, the first reading and the gospel are sort of matched up. And that middle reading, usually from Paul, not always. But in that middle reading, I would suggest you've got the remedy for this thing that can sometimes eat us alive, that gnawing feeling, that worry of comparison. Am I good enough? Are they coming after me? And on the surface, that middle reading is one of those ones where they zap the rich, right? Oh, you wealthy people, you're really in trouble. But I'd like to flip that around. And don't look at it as the reading that zaps the rich. Look at it the reading, look at it as the reading that upholds the value of poverty. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about poverty like the person who's in the street, desperately wondering where their next meal is going to come from. But I mean a poverty in a sense of freedom. If the rich person described in the reading is somebody who is slavishly, literally not holding on to his wealth, his wealth is holding on to him. And so fear of losing it, lots of comparison, competitiveness, kind of enslavement there. If that's the danger of the wealth that he has, then flip it around. What's the freedom that comes with poverty? What's the freedom that comes with an attitude that says, well, maybe I'm blessed with this, maybe I'm not, but I'm blessed with something much bigger than that. And there is a freedom that can come there. And that freedom we're only going to know by actually looking at the poverties in our own life. It takes an intentionality. And to think about different times where you've had to let go of something, or you've just had to admit with brutal honesty, I wish I had that, I wish I had that ability, I wish I had that skill, but I'm tired of pretending like I do, I'm tired of bluffing, or I'm tired of putting so much energy into trying to attain that thing that at the end of the day I know is probably not going to be mine. And if you've ever had a moment like that in your life where you didn't in fact feel like a miserable failure, but it was almost like the weight of the world went off your shoulders and you said, that's okay, that's not me. Because if you can look at your poverty and you can say, all right, that is who I am, this is what I don't have, then that frees us up to begin to say, and what do I have? And if all that we're doing is, you know, counting the wealth in our drawers, then we're just going to be aware of what we don't have and it's going to feel like a terrible lack. But think as a spiritual exercise. If there have been times in your life where you could say, you know, I was so afraid of letting that go. I was so afraid of losing it. And when it went, I have to admit with honesty, there was a freedom, there was a creativity, there was a new opportunity. I've got to believe in 60 years of marriage, there's been all kinds of moments where you've looked and said, we wanted this, we wanted that, this is what we thought it would look like. And with all the amazing blessings that have come, I'm sure there were times where you had to move through something and look at it from the other side. 
Because those fears, those fears of what if, those fears of we will be nothing if we lose this, that's what you hear in those, the first reading and the third reading. And so often that can be the engine that drives our train. So just a little spiritual exercise as we move into this 26th week of ordinary time. Maybe pray for the courage to look at the poverty that's before you in your life right now. Maybe there is a fear of losing something. And again, I'm not talking about losing that which truly is a blessing, that which truly is something which is helping you realize who you are in the eyes of God. But we can't BS ourselves. You know what I mean. If there's a fear of letting go of something that at the end of the day we know its wealth is much more grounded in our own impression than in any sort of blessing that God wants us to have, then pray for the courage and the grace to let it go. And that really looks like something. That looks like putting a little less attention there. It looks like investing a little less time or energy or maybe wealth in that area. It looks like saying, who would benefit from this stuff more than I ever will? And I want to give that to you. I want to share that with you. I want you to receive what for me has been like this ball and chain around my heart. At the end of the day, part of our human nature is comparison and the temptation to envy and fear and jealousy. But part of our faith, which is much stronger, is always going to be the opportunity to embrace that which we don't have so that we can truly appreciate that which we do which is much larger than anything we'll produce for ourselves.